Thank you, team. Honour you guys. Always the worship team and production team here early, practising and just helping us to enter into the throne room of God. Amen? How good is the worship and production team? They are amazing people. We would not be able to worship like that without you guys. So thank you very much. Well, who remembers a couple of weeks ago when Pastor Ben Tifi was here? Hands up. Ben Tifi, my bearded brother, he was here and he preached an incredible message. It was about, uh, he entitled it, Wake Up Mighty Men and Women. And it's just this awesome message. And uh, I'm actually going to be preaching off the back of that message. Uh, essentially like a bit of a part two, and I'll explain that in a second. But uh, I was super excited to have Alaska here today uh, to show you all. I'm really sorry uh, that she can't be here. But So I, I brought a photo just to update you all. So there she is, little Alaska, Alaska Ingrid. So pretty. And uh, here's a close-up because we always need a close-up. Look at that. Oh. You can tell where she gets a good looks from, eh? <laughs> oh, she's so cute. I love it. Oh, man, she's, I spent all day yesterday with her because Yvonne was at the women's conference, Fruitfulness, and uh, got all the time just to me, which was amazing. And, uh, but then she, uh, she was definitely excited to see Yuvada uh, when Yuvana got home as well. We spent the day like gooing and grrr, she can do that, that. It's like, it's so cute when she does that. I was like, oh, this is the best. Oh, it was so good. Anyways, back to Ben Tifi. Uh, so he was preaching a message about uh, mighty men and women. He's telling us to wake up. And, uh, and he finished with this final point at the end of his message about getting into the secret place and forging a word. Getting into the secret place and forging a word. Like Gideon was there forging away, uh, throwing up weed and doing what he was doing. And he used the same analogy to be forging in the secret place. Forging a word, building a word, building a weapon that we can use. And so this morning I've entitled my preach, The Secret place. Let me pray as we open up the word this morning. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your word, that it is alive, it is active, it is good for us. And so Lord God, this morning we ask that we would not be the same as we were when we walked in, when we leave this place. Lord, let us be inspired, let us be encouraged, let us be challenged, let us be uplifted, I pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. 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 The secret place. I want to start by reading to you uh, from a a really beautiful passage of scripture in John chapter 17. It's entitled The Prayer of Jesus. I want to read to you a couple of verses from verse 20. Jesus said this, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be as one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. I came across these verses when I was... Uh, just doing some uh, personal discipleship time with a friend of mine. And th these verses just leapt out off the page at me and just struck me to my core that Jesus wants the world, so 
denoting that he already hopes we get this, but that he wants the world to know that our Father loves us, you and me, as much as he loves Jesus. That's the prayer of Jesus. Now, it's a prayer which means it's a desire. It means that Jesus desires this. He really, really wants this because he's praying for it. It's a desire within him. He really wants this. He wants the world to know that his Father loves you and me as much as he loves Jesus. Just let that sink in this morning because it is so, so powerful that our Jesus wants the world to know that our Heavenly Father loves you and I as much as he loves his one and only Son. That is so encouraging to me that that's the desire of Jesus. It's, it's not a throwaway prayer. It's the whole chapter 17, red letter, Jesus desiring this oneness, this special, close communion between us and the Father. What, what is prayer? Prayer is simply spending time with your Creator. Spending time with the King. Spending time with Jesus. That's what prayer is. It's having a date with Jesus. It's spending time with the lover of your soul. It's communicating with him, talking to your dad. You know, prayer is not meant to be a magic wand. It's not something we whip out in Jesus' name, you know, when something bad's going on in our life or, you know, we need something and we're just like, well, in the name of Jesus, it's, it's going to be mine, you know, blab it and grab it and confess it, it's going to be yours, you know, all that stuff. You know, prayer, prayer is powerful and it's a powerful weapon to be used in those circumstances. But if it's only used in those circumstances, it can start to become like something that is just a magic one. It's just not what it is. It's not magic. It's way more powerful than that. Way more powerful than that. It is literally a weapon of our warfare. But it's also the way that we communicate with our Father. It's the way that we have the relationship that Jesus came and died for us to have, to talk to Him. Prayer is also not a chore. You know, oh, if you're a Christian, you have to pray one hour every morning. Well, whoever said that? It's like, because I don't find that in Scripture. You know, there's a couple of things that maybe could allude to something like that from the garden. You know, couldn't you, Peter, watch with me one hour? But, you know, way back in the beginning of time, uh, before the fall, uh, God would come down in the cool of the evening and he'd walk around with Adam and Eve. They prayed. They talked. They spent time together. Prayer is not a chore. You know, I don't really like chores, but the worst chores is when you get given more chores because you've been naughty. I remember when I was younger and uh, naughty, and uh, I would get given additional chores. I hated them. One of them was washing white walls. Honestly, they're white walls. Now, let's be real. If you've got white walls, you walk up close, they're not that white, are they? <laughs> there's, like, there's a lot of marks all over them and stuff like that. Oh, man, I remember the first time I bought my first property and uh, I had to go to the shops and had to buy GIF. J-I-F. It brought up traumatic experiences from my childhood of washing 
walls when I had been naughty and I'd get given this section and whoever I was fighting with got given that section and we'd have to clean the walls and dad would come and inspect them and make sure that they were clean enough and wash it and I had to buy a scourer and I'm like standing there in Woolworths all this emotion is coming back up. It was awful. But even more than washing white walls, honestly, was writing lines. If it wasn't enough that I had to write lines in detention at school, I come home and and they normally came out for really bad stuff like talking back to mum. Fire and brimstone if I talk back to mum. Writing lines. I, Joseph Fennell, will not talk to my mother like this. I, Joseph Fennell, I won't even bore you and say it twice. Like, to write it a hundred times is like awful. It was so, so bad. Sorry. If you're uh, still living in your parents' home, parents, there's a tip for you. For everyone else, just don't be naughty. You know what, though? My dad never said to me, Joe, for your punishment, you have to come to McDonald's with me and spend a whole hour with me and you have to drink a nice uh, frappuccino and you're going to sit there and we have to chat. (laughs) That's your punishment. It was never a punishment. It was never a chore to spend time chatting with dad. But I think sometimes we've allowed the thought of prayer to become like that, that, that oh, I have to pray for an hour, I'm not good, or, oh, I better pray, or I have to pray, or oh, i got to do that in the morning, or oh, I didn't do it this morning, I better do it tonight, oh, I missed it all of yesterday, oh, no, now i got to, like, make it up tomorrow. And we start to think that prayer is a chore, but it's not a chore, it's simply talking with the lover of your soul. So how, how can we spend time with him? Well, you're doing one of them right now. When two or three gather in his name, he will be there in their midst. So we're spending time with Jesus right now. That's one way that you can spend time with Jesus. In other ways, you can worship. You can bust out that favorite Spotify playlist and say, hey, Google, put Joe's worship on, on shuffle, and just start to worship him and spend time with him and just enjoy worshiping Jesus. Another way, you can read. You can read the Bible. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. In verse 14 of John chapter 1, the Word became flesh. Well, that's Jesus. So you can read the Bible and spend time with Jesus. The fourth way is you can pray. You can talk with Him. You know, maybe to get around the idea of a chore, maybe you could start to have some dates with Jesus. Pop it in the calendar. Set it up. Make a cup of tea. Find your favorite couch. Put the time aside and go sit down and have a date with Jesus. Look forward to spending that time with him. Prayer is not meant to be a chore. You know, when Jesus prayed, he wanted to. And, and he enjoyed praying so much that the people around him were like, man, I want to pray like that, Jesus. And the disciples asked him, look, teach us how to pray. You know, I love the Lord's Prayer because it's so short. There's not even 100 words in it. It's actually like really simple. I think God gave it to us as a, as a checklist. Just something to, to pray by, to show us just how to talk to our dad, how to spend time with him, how to tell him how awesome he is and builds up faith in our prayer life. And then we can start to ask for things for others and stuff for ourselves. And, and, and it's a checklist that you and I can use to spend some time with Jesus. I love the language that Jesus used though. He didn't, he didn't say... Oh, my father, give me 
forgive me, I need this. No, no, he said, our Father. Give us today what we need. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. You know, I think if some of us spent some more time in our prayer life praying for other people's needs and other things that are going on around us, we might actually enjoy spending that time with God just that little bit more rather than diving into the issues that we're going through and it's all about us. Love God and love others. Jesus said, when you pray, when you choose to talk to him, go away. Matthew chapter 6, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I'll tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private, then your father who sees everything will reward you. Now I remember as a teenager, the first time I read that, I was like, oh my gosh, I wore underwear in the shower that night. I'm like, God sees everything, (laughs) everything. It was awful. My first point this morning is to go into the secret place. You know, I thought about this. Why, Why do we not feel attracted to our time with Jesus? Is there something that is stopping us from spending time with Jesus? Because the secret place doesn't have to be the closet in your bedroom. The secret place is just that moment. It's when you're alone. Alone with you and your mind and all your thoughts. It could be in the car on the way to work. It could be in the train on the way to university. It could be while you're sitting down having lunch. It could be at the end of the night, in the cool of the evening. Whenever you get a moment, whenever you have a moment, you can enter into the secret place. Why do we avoid the secret place? I think it's because of what's going on in our secret place. A bit of shame has ruined our intimacy with Jesus. What are we doing in the secret place that makes us avoid spending that time with Jesus? You know, maybe it's become a place of sin rather than a place of beautiful, beautiful intimacy. Maybe it's become a place for the passion of the flesh rather than a passion of the spirit. Lust. It's the first of the deadly sins. You know why I think it's the first of the deadly sins? Because it's the one that hurts us the most. It's the one that hurts us the most and that's why Jesus made it a sin. Because he doesn't want us to have to live through the consequence of that. You know, pornography addiction, the current stats right now from the most recent research is that the average age of boys and girls exposed to porn is 11 years old. 94% of all people have seen it by age 14. 68% of men who attend church watch porn on a regular basis. 33% of women 25 and under watch it at least once a month. 55% of married men and 25% of married women watch porn at least once a month. 87% of Christian women admit to having watched porn. It's ruining us. It's ruining our private time. It's ruining our private life. It's ruining our secret place. You know, let alone lust. 
The other things that ruin us, lying, cheating, stealing, scheming, gossiping, and idolatry. This is the one that I think is the other big one for our generation, idolatry. And we don't even realize it because we now have big gold statues that we bow down or get told to bow down to or things like that. But so many other things that consume our time and steal away our heart. The things that become idols in our life. We worship them without realizing money, work, work is more important than family time or time with God and we start to prioritize chasing work and chasing this stuff when really we could be spending time, precious memories being made with those that are right there around us, memories being made with the family or spending some time with our creator. Love God, love your family. What about sport, the TV, next episode, tick, tick, tick. These things that consume our time, if they have our time, they have our heart. What do you spend the most time on? What gets spent the most time on in your home or in your private time? What what gets spent the most time on from your Monday to your Sunday, your 168 hours that you get given every week to live? What gets spent the most time on? Maybe you have built something up that needs to be torn down. You know, I remember back in uh, 20, 2013. It was a good year. Because one day at Warner in the cafe, standing there, you know, just doing my thing, meeting new people, chatting, chatting to the peeps. And up from the bottom car park, up the footpath, came this beautiful one. And the sun just filtering through the leaves, just hit her at the right way and her long brown hair just flowing in the wind and my heart for the very first time ever just skipped a beat. I'd never experienced it. You know, I used to joke with my mates, I'm like, oh, the girl that gets me is going to have to sweep me off my feet because I'm so busy doing what God's called me to do. She stole my heart. And you know what? I didn't tell her for two years. (laughs) Now the rest is history. You know, this has been an issue since the beginning of time. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 to 10. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Where are you? He hid because of his shame. Rather than spending time with Jesus in that moment, he hid from him because of his shame. You know, we we struggle sometimes to spend time with God because our shame is holding us back. But you know, I love what God did in that moment. He took an animal and he killed it and he made the first leather and fur clothes, and he put it over Adam and Eve. The spilling of the blood, the atoning of the sins, and you know what? It wasn't just done then for Adam and Eve. Jesus Christ came and did it for you and I on the cross of Calvary, the blood that washes you and I completely free, washes us as white as snow, makes us look as white as the wool of a perfect lamb. His blood covered us on the cross of Calvary, clothes us, love that covers a multitude of sins what was done in the garden was done on the cross for you and I to cover all of the shame so that you and I don't have to hide we can waltz on in to the very throne room of God and spend time with our Jesus 
We don't have to hide because of what we do. We get to walk into the throne room of God because of what he did. So if we're feeling ashamed of what we've done, we just put that aside and take on what he has done and come in to the secret place. What's pulled you away? You know, uh, it's like when you line that, that ball up on the tee <laughs> and you feel like you got this perfect shot and it just starts to veer off. Like, oh, it's the worst. It's the worst. So you, know, you know when you go to the beach... I hate the beach personally. <laughs> it's awful. I like rivers and dams and I'm a freshwater baby. I, I do not like sand. Honestly, it goes everywhere. It's awful. And it's like just the grossest stuff and the waves get tossed around to and fro. It's like, I, I don't need this. I'll just go sit in a nice crystal clear lake. Thank you very much. But anyway, so the rest of you that like going to the beach, you know how you go to the beach and you get there and you, you pop your pluggers down on the sand and you, and you hide your keys and ruffle your towel up and put it all over there as if there's nothing valuable and then you run on down into the water and it's like everyone else has done the exact same thing. You could probably walk along the beach, phone, keys, wallet, yet watch, rings, phone. I mean, we all do it. We all know it's there. Anyways, you get into the water and you're splashing around, I don't know, you're getting tossed around, dunked and dunked again. It's all that wave stuff. And then you pop your head up, you're like, oh, that was so exciting. <laughs> and you look back at the beach, you're like, hang on. Someone stole my stuff. And then you realize, oh, no, 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 wait, it's just over there. We don't realize that we've started to drift. It's like that in life. It's small little things that cause us to start to drift away from where we were, that, that passion that we once had, that first love that we enjoyed. We've started to drift away. Where are you? Where are you? You know, if that statement touches you a little bit this morning, where are you? Where are you? Can I encourage you that that's a good thing? Because it means that there is a desire there that you want to spend time with him. That you want to spend time with God. Can I tell you this morning, he wants you to spend that time with him. Let it do two things. Let it draw you closer to him. But also let it make you realize that at the moment you probably want something else and you want Jesus. You probably want something else more than you want Jesus. Maybe you want to spend time with other stuff or other things or other people more than you want to spend time with him. Our second point this morning is to humble yourself, purify your heart and wash your hands. James 4, 7 to 8 says this, So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. You don't want to spend time with God because you are enjoying spending that time with other things. Do not love this world. Don't love this world nor the things it offers you, for when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for a physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave, but anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Who is the love of the Father? Jesus. And it was his desire to set us free from shame. 
He wants to cover us because he wants us to spend time with him. It's the cross. The cross proves this to us. John 3, 16 to 17, for this is how God loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. You know, what, is the, what does the cross mean to you? Has it become a religious symbol that's just something that we recognize here and there? And, you know, oh, it pops up at Easter time a fair bit and then we start to forget about it. Or is it a stake in the ground in your heart like it is a stake in the ground for all eternity to prove to the principalities and powers that we have victory in Jesus? Is it a stake in the ground that you can say, you know what, Jesus went all the way to the cross then for me so I know that he still loves me today because he doesn't need to die on the cross again for you and I my friends he's already done it and it covered it all we have the cross of Calvary and what what if we add to that resurrection what what if we then add to that resurrection the glory of our reward in heaven everlasting glory that we get to share our inheritance in heaven the everlasting love and the goodness and the blessing and the fun what if on top of that we then add not just rewards for the time to come but also for now Ephesians 2, 4 to 7, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages, as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. Church, this morning I want to remind you that you have been redeemed. You have been restored. You have been reconciled back to God because of what happened on the cross. Jesus defeated the devil. He conquered it all. He covered your shame. He has removed all of your sin as far as the east is from the west. He has done that all for you and I. So I want to tell you this morning, don't give in to your flesh. Don't put yourself on that street of choice because if you are putting yourself on a street of choice, it is so much harder to resist. Just don't get on the street of choice. And if you have to be on a street of choice, And take a brother or sister with you so that you don't get tempted and enticed away by what is alluring you. I also want to encourage you to not give in to the enemy. Do not let him add to what is already going on in your flesh. Don't let him entice you away. He did not die for you. He doesn't deserve you. He doesn't love you. He hates you vehemently. He does everything he can to try and kill, steal, and destroy. Let's not give him the satisfaction of the day. See, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. So stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. He roars around like a roaring lion. I, I sort of picture it like a little yapping chihuahua. I mean, honestly, it's a joke of a dog. I mean, sorry if you've got one. I have a small dog myself. But let's be honest, it's like borderline cat and cats are just... We could say maybe demons covered in fur, Pastor Neil. 
Yes, because they don't, they demand love when they want it. Just saying, doesn't sound like the creator, if you're asking me. But the devil roars like a lion. He's not the lion. He roars like a lion. So he's really loud and annoying and he likes to build lots of noise up inside of your mind and remind you of what you've been doing in the secret place when you could have been spending time with God and he starts to raise his voice and gets nice and loud and annoying. But he's not the lion. There is a lion. It's the lion of the tribe of Judah and his name is Jesus and he is victorious and he has conquered it all. My last point is this, no matter what, go into the secret place, purify yourselves, wash your hands, humble yourself, no matter what. You know, I love that the woman with the alabaster jar, despite the moment that she was about to walk into, still chose to get close to Jesus. You just picture this for a moment. There's a, there's a dinner party going on with a whole bunch of religious leaders and heaps of people from the town. And, and she is so overwhelmed by the love that Jesus has shown her that she has decided, I'm going to do whatever I can, no matter what, to get in and to get close to Jesus and to spend some time with him because I know what he has done for me. I love that despite all of the opinions that would have been built up in that room, despite the foreknowledge of, man, they're going to think mean things about me and they're going to know who I am and what I've done. She didn't care, disregarding it all. She walks straight into this place, bawling her eyes out, breaks this beautiful perfume all over the head of Jesus and onto his feet. And then she's crying over his feet and washing his feet with her hair because she knows just how much that he has covered over her life. She knows just how close she wants to be with Jesus. And no matter what, she was going to do everything she could to get close to Jesus. I love the response of Jesus. Not only did he allow her to do that, but he didn't just allow, he defended her and he championed her. I love that about Jesus in this story because, because he knew what they were thinking. So he jumps into defense mode and starts to cover her and tells a parable and, 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 and starts to attack the thoughts that the other people were thinking in the room because he wanted her to be close. He wants all of us to be close despite what you and I have done. And then he champions her. Says, you know what? This message is going to be preached for all the time to come. I'm preaching it this morning. He literally championed her into eternity. I love that. I love that Jesus allowed it to happen. And then in the midst of all of what was going on, He allowed her to come in and cry on his feet and dry them with her hair in front of everyone. I love that about Jesus. Just to spend a moment with him. I love that the woman with the issue of blood couldn't care less about breaking the rules, couldn't care less. She was determined to get her healing. She wanted to get close to Jesus. So pushing through the crowd just so that she could get in there and touch the hem of his garment. And I love the response of Jesus. Who touched me? Who touched me? Because all the other people around him that were touching him were touching him for the wrong reasons. They were bumping into him to try and get close because they wanted to be able to be seen by him but this woman got close because she knew that he was the answer 
just one moment in your secret place could literally cause the miracle to happen that you have been waiting for. I love the, I love the man on the cross. He could tell that Jesus was who he wanted to be with. I love the response of Jesus. Jesus is like, no, 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 I don't want to just remember you. I want you with me. And so again, all of the rules that we know about, all of the things that he should have done, didn't pray a prayer, didn't get baptized, Jesus didn't unpin himself, unpin the man on the cross, quickly run down in the Jordan River, dunk, all right, you're good, let's go back up, pin him back to the cross, pin himself back to the cross and go, today you'll be with me in paradise. No, he just turned to him and said, today you will be with me in paradise because I don't want to just remember you. I want to know you and I want you right there with me. I love the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is like hearing about this guy called Jesus. And he's like, ah, man, if I could just get a glimpse of him, that would be enough for me. If I could just see him, that would be enough for me. And so he's so vertically challenged that he has to go and climb a big sycamore tree and scamper out onto the branch and sit down. He's like, oh, I'm going to get a glimpse of this guy. This is going to be awesome. And Jesus comes walking by through a town that he probably should never have been in. And he looks up already knowing him by name and calls him and says, Zacchaeus, come down because out of all the options of who I could spend tonight with, I'm having dinner with you. Because Jesus didn't want him to just be seen and he doesn't want us to just see Jesus. He doesn't want you and I to just know Jesus. He wants to be known. He wants us to dine with him in the secret place. Can I get the band to come back up, please? My last thought this morning to encourage you all around this is that we pray because we get to pray. And just have a think about the prayers you and I get to pray. Because it might stir you up a little bit to get into the secret place just that little bit more. What I'm about to encourage you with, I hope it encourages you when you wake up in the morning and you put those feet on the floor, you say, devil, not today. I'm going to go and do what you have called me to do, Lord Jesus. I'm going to go and be who you've called me to be. Maybe on the way to work, you're going to start to pray in tongues and turn the news off and put the worship music back on. Maybe in the lunch break, because you get to pray. You're going to pray a blessing over your food and a blessing over the, the workplace. And Lord, I thank you for this food today that you've blessed me with. And I pray it nourishes my body. And Lord Jesus, these work colleagues right around me, I ask that you bless them abundantly. I stand right now on their behalf and ask you to favor them. Lord God, I ask that you to bless them. Lord, let this workplace be better off because I'm in this workplace. You get to pray. When you get home, when you get around the dinner table, you get to pray. You get to develop a prayer altar and a time with the family where you can spend time stirring up their faith and inspiring them of what they can be praying for. And you get to pray before you go to bed for the day that you've had, for the sleep that you want and for the day that you want to have tomorrow, church. You get to pray. You get to pray powerful prayers. You get to tell the sun to stand still and not worry about how that's going to work out with all of the tides and the, the sun that needs to be here instead of over there. You just get to pray to a God who is big enough to do it all. He can do the impossible even when we don't think it can happen. 
you get to pray. You can speak to dead things and tell them to come back to life. You can speak to things that are lame, that that have lost their vision, that have lost their direction and tell them rise up and walk and follow me. You get to tell the blind eyes to open, the deaf ears to hear again. You get to cry out a prayer for the generation around you. You get to pray. You get to pray powerful prayers over every single pillow in your home. Lord, they are not going to walk away from you. They are going to be blessed. They are going to get a good job. They're going to get a good partner. Lord God, I speak blessing over them right now. You get to go to work earlier than the rest of them because you're a Christian. And you get to lay hands on every single chair around the workplace. Blessed, blessed, blessed in Jesus' name. I stand against the depression that this person is having right now. Oh Lord, I take authority over this person's issues right now in their marriage. And I ask that you would bless them. Lord, let there be a, a harmonious unity come back. Church, you and I get to pray some of the most incredible prayers because of what Jesus did for you and I. Prayer is not a chore. Prayer is not a magic wand. Prayer is a weapon of our warfare and we need to forge it in the secret place. Come on, we get to pray. We get to pray over our finance and see it bless us and those around us into our lap, overflowing more than enough. We get to pray for miracles. We get to pray for the things that no one else could even ever hope for. You know what else we get to do? We get to rebuke the devil. We get to tell him where to go. Because the guy that lives in me is bigger than the guy that's standing in front of me. We can command him to go in the name of Jesus. We can rebuke him and cast him out to the dry places. We are able to see chains broken, doors open and break through that we'll see the fruitfulness that you and I need to see. You and I get to pray for revival. That we're going to see souls being saved. Come on, you and I get to see a generation around us know about the goodness of God. And that's something that we get to pray about. Come on, who made you? Who designed you? Who created you? Who fashioned you and formed you? Who chose that you would be born in this time? Out of all the possibilities and potential, it was you that God chose. You know, if someone's spoken over your life that you're a mistake, can I tell you that that's even more powerful? Because it means you're a miracle. You were meant to be here and God made sure of it. Come on, you get to pray. Some of the most incredible prayers. You can stand in the face of your giant and look it and go, well, my God is a whole lot bigger than you in Jesus' name. Come on, Jesus, He is the most qualified, most invested, most ever present. And He wants you to come on in to the secret place. Come on, would you stand with me this morning? Church, do you want to produce much fruit? Because if you do, you've got to get into the secret place. You don't have to spend an hour every morning. That's the wrong question. How long do I have to pray for? All day. It's not how long do I have to pray for. It's wow, I get to pray. I get to spend time with Jesus. I get to pray these powerful prayers. I get to say these things and they could happen. This is incredible. Just spend a moment with Him in the morning, a moment on the way to work, 
a moment on the way to whatever activity you're filling your time with at the moment. Spend time at lunch thanking Him for the goodness in your life and start to stir up the faith again for the things that you want to see and then start to pray for Him. Start to declare things over your life. Start to declare things over your marriage. Start to declare things over your family, over your friends, over your community. Come on, go into the secret place. Humble yourself. Wash your hands. Purify your hearts. No matter what. Come on, don't give in. Don't give up. Stay strong, church. Stay committed. Come on, the grass is not greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it. Let's get into the secret place. And let's pray. Come on, this morning, would you close your eyes? I want to pray for you this morning. Oh, Lord, we ask that our life would glorify you. Lord, let our life, let our lips magnify and exalt the name of Jesus above every other name. Lord God, that we would exalt you in our every day above every circumstance, that we would lift you up and place you above it all, that it would bring order into the chaos, I pray in Jesus' name. Oh Lord, right now I command, Lord, those lies that come from the pit of hell and try and cover us with our shame, I rebuke them right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank You for Your blood and I plead it right now over all of us. God, I thank You that it washes us clean as white as snow. Lord God, I pray right now that there be a renewing of our mind by the preaching of the Word. Lord God, that we would want to go into the very throne room of our Father every minute of every day to spend time with You. Lord God, right now we ask for breakthrough in the areas that we need breakthrough. Lord God, right now we lift up those in our family that are not saved yet. And God, we declare it's this year. This year they're going to be saved in Jesus' Name. Before the end of 2023, Lord God, we call them out right now and we say, be saved. We call them out, Lord God, come back to God in Jesus' name. Oh, devil, we rebuke you over their lives. We rebuke you over our lives right now in the name of Jesus. And I command a breakthrough to flow in our lives in Jesus' name. Oh, Lord God, I command healing this morning to flow right now in Jesus' name. Oh, Lord God, I command a blessing of abundance. Lord God, the life that you died to give us to flow to us and through us. In Jesus' Name, oh Lord God, I ask that You would cause it to flow all around us, to us and through us. In Jesus' Name, I pray. Come on, church. Let's work.